0: This is Steve with Life Worth Living. Today, we're going to be looking at how you can become a fearless person, a bold and courageous person, and we're going to explore several secrets of how that can happen to you or happen for you. But one of them is this: the more you're interested in heavenly and divine things, the more you're going to, more bold you're going to become. Why is this? Well, if you focus on earthly things, earthly things come with fear attached to them, the fear of loss, the fear of missing out, whereas heavenly things don't have that fear attached to them. And the the less fearful you become, the more bold and courageous you'll be. So listen in and be blessed. Well, we're gonna keep on in Acts. Um, Remember, last week we uh, looked at Acts three, where there was a uh, a miracle, one of the first miracles that we can at least know about. After Jesus uh, filled his his disciples with the Holy Spirit, this man was sitting at this gate uh, right in front of the temple. Peter and John come; they say silver and gold. He's asking for money. And they say, well, we don't have any money to give you, but what we do have, we are going to give you. And so they reached down. They told him to look up at him, at them, at them. They reached down, took him by his hands and the guy, his legs are strengthened. He had been, he had been an invalid since birth. He was 40 years old. The Bible tells us that. And he goes into the temple with him, leaping and jumping, and shouting, and praising God, and all the people in the temple start running out to hear what's going on. Peter Peter preaches a sermon to them, basically, and that's where we left off. All right, so now we're in Acts 4, and so we find, if you want to follow along, we'll have most of it up here for you, we find that the priests in the temple... And the captain of the temple guard, can you imagine if we had security people here, and they're standing behind you, and they're waiting to see if you make a wrong move? I don't know if it was like that or not. It wouldn't be bad to have security people, I guess. But there's the captain of the temple guard, all right? And there's the Sadducees, which the religious folks of that time were broken into different groups with different types of beliefs, and they had different responsibilities in the Jewish religion there. But the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they're speaking to all these people, all right? And they, they, these religious folks are greatly disturbed because the apostles are teaching the people and proclaiming that in Jesus, there's resurrection of the dead, all right? The Sadducees didn't believe there was any res- resurrection. And, and so today we're going to be talking about fearless boldness. How would you like To never be afraid again in your life. Just picture that just for a second. Can you imagine being so fearless? Well, that comes with boldness. If you're not scared, then you're naturally going to be bold. Uh, We have some cats, okay? In fact, we have a few cats. One too many, in my opinion. But we picked up these little stray cats. And it's interesting, as kittens, these little cats are fearless, They don't know they should be scared of anything until I accidentally stepped on one of them the other day. And now he's a little skittish. He's maybe I do need to be a little bit scared. All right. But you know what? The more you believe that you're safe, the more that you believe you're safe, the less fearful you're going to be. Listen to that just for a second. If you think you're safe, you're not going to be scared. If you're, if you feel you're safe, you're going to be bold. All right. And here it says in this scripture, they were proclaiming that in Jesus, there's the resurrection of the dead. If you and I, we can figure out how to get into Christ Jesus, we'll feel very, very safe. And when you feel safe, you're going to be bold. And I'll give you an example. I had a boss that used to make just intimidate the mess out of me. I was scared of this guy. And guess what? I started interviewing for other jobs and I got to the I got the feeling I was about to get another job. Well, guess what? When I thought I've got another job, I'm not scared of my boss anymore. I started being pretty bold with him in the last days of employment with that company because I felt safe. You see, When you feel safe, you're going to start feeling bold. And that's exactly how God wants you to be. He doesn't want you to be scared anymore. Did you know that? God doesn't want you worrying. He doesn't want you being fearful. He wants you to be fearless and bold. And that's why he promises you. He says, hey, look, in in Luke 10, 19, Jesus tells his disciples, look, I've given you authority. That's boldness. I've given you authority to trample on snakes and on scorpions, maybe not to go out to the desert, find a rattlesnake and step on it. But basically, if you're in trouble, if you're having, if you have so-called snakes around you, have you ever met somebody that's a snake? All right. You know that when you turn your back, they're going to do something bad to you. God's telling you, hey, as my disciple, I've given you authority over people in situations like that. And guess what? Because of that, you, have, you can overcome all the power of the enemy. Guess what? Nothing is going to harm you. Nothing is going to harm you. Now, do you believe that? My guess is many of us really don't believe that. Because <laughs> we walk around scared. We're worried about something bad happening to us. And Jesus keeps whispering into our ears, If you will come into me, I will protect you and nothing will ever harm you. I picture myself sometimes in one of these Louisiana swamps that's, you know, the water's up to about my neck and there's, there's, are they crocodiles or alligators? I can't remember. Alligators. All right. Alligators swimming around me and I'm making my way and I feel something slithering up my leg a little bit. I shake it off. All right. And I keep walking through that swamp. Why? Because I know my God is not going to allow any harm to come to me. And guess what? That starts making me feel pretty bold because I'm not worrying as much. And I know my God has my best interest in mind. Well, let's read on in verse three. We're reading about fearless boldness. All right. I want you to leave today with a little bit more courage in your heart, a little bit more boldness in you that you're not worried about what people think. Well, they seize. You say, well, yeah, nothing happened. No, it did happen. All right these, these, uh, the temple guard, they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, guess what? They went ahead and threw him in jail. Well, I thought nothing bad was going to happen to him. Well, listen to the rest of the story. All right. They throw him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed and the number of men who grew, uh, who believed grew to about 5,000. Well, Just a few days ago at Pentecost, we heard that they added 3,000. God added 3,000 to their number. So if you do the math, they went from 3,000 to 5,000. One miracle, one act of boldness, one fearless move got 2,000 people saved that day. Can you imagine if you would throw off fear and worry and you'd start being a bold, courageous Christian can you imagine the results that would happen in and around you and through you? Amazing things would happen. Get bold. Get, get, get strong in the Lord. And I, I just wonder about American Christianity. I wonder what would happen if we were here in America, we have our Sunday morning service, and we, we start realizing, you know what, it's a felony to go to church or maybe a misdemeanor. And you could get a ticket or you could get put in jail or you could lose your job. We're not too far from that, believe it or not. Would you still be a Christian? I wonder about American Christianity. Would you still do what a Christian should do? I hope so. I hate to say it. I think the day's coming when things are going to be changing for us and the men are going to be separated from the boys, so to speak. <laughs> the real Christians are going to Rise up, and the not-so-real Christians are going to disappear. And that's already happened somewhat with COVID. I mean, I tell you what, I won't go into all of that, but I'm curious about true Christianity here in the United States. But boldness will come when you're more interested in heavenly things than you're interested in earthly things. Because you know what? Earthly things often come with fear attached to them. You get a job and all of a sudden you have this fear that, oh, maybe I'll lose my job. You you get some money and then you worry that it might get stolen from you. You know, there's there's so eh, earthly things come with fear attached to them, but you know what? Heavenly things don't come with any fear attached to them. And so boldness is gonna come to you when you start saying, I am craving the divine more than I'm craving the earthly. And I tell you what, this last year, I I really began to learn that. And more and more, the the divine is more appealing to me than what I find here in the material and the physical and what I can see, touch, and feel. But the next day in verse 5, these rulers and these elders and these religious folks, the teachers of the law, they met at Jerusalem, and the high priest was with them along with all his entourage and his family, and they had Peter and John brought before them And they began to question them. The question they had for them is, by what power or what name did you do this? How did you perform this miracle? And as I stopped to think about this, you know what, as we move forward as Christians, oftentimes your worst enemy is going to be the religious folks. Have you noticed that? (laughs) I don't know if you've ever experienced that before, but when you really start following Jesus you might find that righteous, religious people become your worst enemies. They don't like it that you have this wonderful connection with the Lord. They don't like it that you're joyful, that you're happy, that you're obedient to the faith, that you enjoy life, that you have results. And these are some thoughts that I have here. Religious leaders often are the biggest enemies of true Christianity of true Bible-based, faith-based Christianity, look at this, relationship with Jesus is going to throw off the religious establishment and its traditions. Because we realize the closer I get to Jesus, all this, you know, don't eat this, don't touch that, dress a certain way, don't do, all of that has no bearing on your relationship with Jesus and religious people don't like that because that's their life and you're you're proving them wrong so to speak also we see that whenever uh, you know this, this true relationship with the, with the lord the power and the honor gets transferred from self-serving leaders to Jesus you know i'm your pastor but i'm telling you hey you know what follow jesus <laughs> I, I'm not here to make a name for myself, and I shouldn't be, but in, in some churches that is the case. The pastor is trying to build, uh, build himself up. You know what? When people get saved, they're going to be looking at Jesus. That's all they're going to care about, and the, the power and the transfers off of me, so to speak, onto Jesus, because you just want to know him, and that shakes up people. That makes people jealous. You know, that causes jealousy, And you know what? The other thing is Jesus gets results, whereas religion doesn't get any results. And that can really throw throw the religious establishment off. Because look, this little puny church over here, this little group of people, they're getting results. Peter and John, they got somebody healed. We can't seem to get anybody healed ever as a religion. What is going on here? And it, it causes jealousy. It causes strife. The last observation that I have here is that people, when, when, when Jesus is on the scene, people get enlightened, they get empowered, and that makes most human leaders insecure because they want to hold the knowledge, they want to hold the pow- power for themselves. And I want to give you some examples because I think this is very important. I think in the coming days, as as Jesus starts moving in our midst, the Holy Spirit starts doing amazing and powerful things we might see some conflicts, some religious conflicts that might surface as a result of this, and I think we should be prepared. But there was Martin Luther back in the 1500s. He was, he was uh, maybe the, one of the fathers of the Reformation, all right? And um, what was happening back there is the Roman Catholic Church was selling indulgences, religious indulgences. And if you don't know what that is, they were basically saying, hey, if you'll give a special offering at church, then you know what? One of your relatives that is in purgatory will be released up into heaven. Or if you give a little extra money in the offering, your sins are going to be absolved. You're going to be made a good person. Obviously not biblical teaching, but um, they, they back then also the Roman Catholic Church insisted that nobody should be reading the bible let's let the priest interpret all of that well the reformation was translating you know bibles into german into english into the local languages so the people could read the bible for themselves and that's what we that's what we encourage in this church please by all means read in fact please read your bibles please read your bibles don't just come sunday to hear me or someone uh, expound and explain the scriptures no you read it for yourself. Hear from God yourself. The Bible says that you don't need any man to teach you. The Holy Spirit himself will teach you if you will be a student, if you will open up and study the Bible. And so instead of confessing to a priest, you know, the Reformation was saying you got a direct connection with God. Confess your sins to the Lord, you yourself. you know. And I can't help but just take a little side st- step here. And just make sure, you guys know that purgatory is not a reality, right? right. Purgatory isn't a real thing. It's not a place, it doesn't exist. There's heaven and there's hell. But there's not purgatory in between. And we got to make a decision for the Lord Jesus Christ while we're alive here and now. I'm shocked at how many Christians believe in purgatory. You won't find purgatory in the Bible anywhere. Not uh, conceptually and not explicitly. But another person who got into trouble with with religion was Billy Graham. Do you remember Billy Graham? All right. Back back when there was this whole thing about segregation in the South, and Billy Graham said, absolutely not. When I come and do a crusade in Alabama or wherever, we're going to have everybody coming together, and they're going to be sitting together together, and worshiping together. And you know what? The churches in the South gave him a hard time. And going back to Luther, he got into all kinds of trouble with the Roman Catholic Church for, for you know pushing these things that were, uh, that were biblical and, and, and countering what they were telling him. But Billy Graham got into uh, a lot of hot water with the churches in the South at that time. Let me tell you what. You start having a relationship with Jesus, you might make some religious enemies. You might make some religious enemies. Another guy was Chuck Smith. This guy was back in the 60s and uh, during the, the Jesus movement. In fact, he was kind of the father of the Jesus movement from a human perspective. And he was starting to have hippies come into his church. In fact, he said, you don't wear, you know, they said, no no shoes, you can't come in, no, no shoes, no service or whatever. He said, come in. I don't care if you come stinky. I don't care if you come in with your long hair and your, your ways of doing things. He invited them in. And, I mean, it was amazing. Thousands and thousands and thousands of, of hippies got saved. And there was a Jesus movement in the 70s where there was a massive revival, especially in California. Well, Chuck Smith got into trouble with the churches in California. Many of them did not appreciate what he was doing. So just be on your guard and remember this. You know what? No, deed, no good deed ever goes unpunished. If you do something good for Jesus, I guarantee you somebody's going to get upset somewhere. And don't be looking for a pat on the back when you do something for the Lord, because it might not always work out (laughs) with, with a bunch of smiles around you. But when God does something powerful for you, it's going to produce some kind of conflict somewhere. And so just be prepared for it. And that's what these early disciples saw. They just healed this guy, and now they're in jail. What's up with that? You're going to ask yourself, I did this good thing. Why is, what, why is all this bad stuff happening to me? Hey, hang in there. Hang in there. God is on your side and nothing is going to harm you. Nothing is going to harm you. So Peter stands up in front of all these religious folks. Now remember, Peter's just a fisherman. He's an average Joe Blow, but he's filled with, with the Holy Spirit and said to them, rulers and elders of the people. He wasn't disrespectful to them. He wasn't uh, demeaning to them. He, He was respectful. But you know what I noticed that when he stood up, the Holy Spirit filled him. The Holy Spirit filled him. And I encourage you guys to go. And, and go, And as you go, the Holy Spirit of God is going to fill you and you are going to do mighty things. But the first step is to go, it's to stand up, it's to be bold, it's to be fearless. And the Holy Spirit is going to come up and make the difference for you. All right. So it says if we're Peter goes on, he says, if we're being called, uh, called to an account today on the act of kindness shown to this man who is lame and are being asked, How he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name or in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but who God raised from the dead, that this man stands here before you healed. Jesus is the stone the builders rejected and he has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which you must be saved. Now, when, when Peter said this, he was throwing the whole coexist ideology out the window. He threw it out the window and stomped on it and declared it a lie. <laughs> I was going with a friend uh, to lunch, uh, to breakfast. Very, very good friend who believes in this coexist nonsense. All right? And you know what? As, as he was talking to me and, and I was listening to him, I got bolder and bolder, <laughs> stronger and stronger, and, and tell him, you know what? There's only, you know, Jesus was either a liar and a lunatic, or he was who he said he was. You can't just take pieces of the Bible and like part of it and throw other parts of it out. Jesus said, I am the truth, the way, and the life. You can't get to God except through me. That's what Jesus said. He was very dogmatic. What is dogmatic? It's just one-sided. It's my way or the highway is what Jesus said. And so I've, I've had other friends who, you know, uh, they believe, you know what? All religions, re, I had one guy tell me religion is good. All religions get to the same place. Well, then why on earth are Hindus raping little children in their temples? Tell me. Is that good? Is that good religion? Is that what we want? No. Religion is generally horrible. <laughs> it teaches you the wrong things. Uh, I told somebody recently, I hate religion, and I do. I cannot stand religion. They looked at me, what are you talking about? I thought you were a religious guy. No, I'm not. I have relationship with Jesus. I don't want any religions, and all religions don't lead to the same place. In fact, most of them do lead to the same place. But if you choose Jesus, if you choose relationship with Jesus, that's going to get you to where you want to go He's going to give you eternal life, faith in Jesus, not religion. So, this whole coexist thing is just crazy nonsense. <laughs> crazy nonsense. Be bold. Be fearless to tell people the reality of Jesus that he is the only way, he's the only truth, he's the only source of life. You're not going to get to God except through Jesus. Be bold. Be courageous in your faith and explicitly expressing that to others. Well, in verse 13, uh, these religious folks, they saw the courage that Peter and John had, and they realized, hey, these guys are unschooled. They're ordinary men. And they were astonished. They were shocked that somebody so ordinary could have performed such a powerful miracle. And they took note that these people had been with Jesus. These two men had been with Jesus. Jesus is the difference maker. And I'll tell you what, if you will, the the more time you spend with Jesus, the more courage and boldness you're going to have in your life. If you spend five minutes a day with Jesus, you will have a little bit of courage and a little bit of boldness. But if you start spending more and more time with the Lord, you're going to be bold fear is going to melt away from you and you're going to have courage and boldness like you've never had before. I can say that from personal experience. I used to be extremely shy and I've mentioned this before. When I got to know Jesus, I stopped being so shy, so timid, so backwards. God wants to bring you out of your shell and to make you into the man and woman that you could have only dreamed of being. You know, the courage is not going to come from how you look. If you look good, that's not going to be a source of courage for you. If your education, your education shouldn't and can't give you courage, your accomplishments, your talents, the more time you spend with Jesus, the more courage you're going to have. And really the root of courage and boldness and fearlessness is confidence. Confidence is like the foundation for you. So that no one and no thing can shake you. God wants you to be confident. Stop shaking, stop quivering, stop worrying. I remember once I was terrified of something. I can't even remember what it was. And I, I, I thought to myself, I feel like a leaf that's quivering in the wind. That's how, that's how freaked out I was. And I felt the Holy Spirit tell me, look down. If you're standing on a rock that be, can't be shaken, I don't want you to shake anymore either. If I'm not shaking, God said, I don't want you to shake anymore either. Being confident. So we look at some scriptures about confidence in Psalm 78. It says so, they, uh, so that they would put their confidence in God. We all have confidence and we put it places and it doesn't work out. So we lose our confidence. But here it says, put the little bit of confidence that you have, put it in God, and in Philippians 3.3, 3, it says, don't put your confidence in your flesh. Don't put your confidence in yourself. Don't be self-confident is what the scripture tells us. Which is a little bit backwards because I'm telling you to be confident. I'm saying don't be self-confident. So what are we to be? Well, in Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is confidence. To say you're confident is to say that you have faith. Faith in God. Don't have faith in your faith, faith in God. Faith is confidence, so be God-confident, don't be self-confident. I'll tell you what, that's a turning point for me, and I was studying confidence about four or five, maybe six years ago, and I learned, you know what? I'm to be God-confident. God is going to come through for you, so be confident in him. God is gonna back you up. God is going to take care of you, even when you mess up. Be confident in God. Yeah. Don't be confident in yourself. You'll fail yourself. People will fail you. Uh, your credentials will fail you. Your experiences and accomplishments will fail you. God will never fail you, so be God-confident. That's why in Joshua 1.9, God told, told Joshua, have I not commanded you, be strong and be courageous. Be God-confident. Do not be afraid, Joshua. Don't be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. God is with you. Wake up in the morning and say, oh, thank goodness, God is with me. (laughs) He hasn't left me, he hasn't abandoned me. When you're in a bad situation, remind yourself and let the Holy Spirit remind you. God is with you. Be confident. So in verse 14, back to Acts 4, It says, but since they could see that this man was healed and standing there before them, there was nothing they could say. There's nothing, these well educated religious people, the powerhouses of the day, they couldn't say anything because these ordinary men had performed a miracle. Well, God, through them, had performed the miracle. And this is something I tell you miracles speak for themselves, miracles speak for themselves. And you have miracles every day of the week if you will acknowledge them. If you will remind yourself, God just did a miracle. I've been keeping a little journal starting last Monday or Sunday of every miracle that God is doing. And guess what? My confidence keeps going up and up and up and up because God is doing miracles every day. And I'm keyed in on it. I'm like, what's? there's still four hours of daylight today, God. You can still do another miracle today. Miracles speak for themselves, and they inspire boldness in you, because miracles speak for themselves. They can't say anything. If a miracle happens, nobody can say anything. That was God. Verse 15, so they went ahead and ordered, the religious leaders ordered uh, them to be withdrawn from the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin was a gathering of these religious folks, and uh, they conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living here in Jerusalem knows that they've performed a notable sign, and we can't deny it. (laughs) They said that. You know what? When the devil and his demons are talking together, they can't deny that Jesus is who he is and that he does what he says he's going to do. And they can't deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them to not speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But look what Peter and John say. (laughs) Which is right in God's eyes? To listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judge. As for us, we can't help speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. And that's got to be us. We've seen, we've heard, we've experienced. We need to be speaking boldly, courageously, fearlessly to everybody around us. But you know who you need to start talking to first is yourself. Talk to yourself uh, boldly and fearlessly. Talk to yourself every morning. Get up, say, come on, man. I've seen what God can do. He can do it again. If God did it once, he can do it again. Speak to yourself boldly and fearlessly. And you know what? Fearless. This whole fearlessness and, and boldness is going to come to you as God becomes more and more real to you. God is not a figment of your imagination. He's not some imagination thing, imaginary thing that your parents helped you conjure up in your mind when you were a young child. No, God is real, and the more real He becomes to you, the more bold you are, you are going to become you yourself. Verse 21: Well, with further threats, they let them go. They couldn't decide how to punish them. Punish them for what? Why would they be punished? for healing somebody? Why would they be punished for something good? Just irritates me, <laughs> frustrates me. When you do good things, people are going to get jealous. They're going to get insecure, and they're going to do things that, that don't reward what you've done. But because of all the people, they were, the people were praising God for what had happened, for the man who had been miraculously healed was over 40 years old. Now, we'll end with this. In verse 33, on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people. They went back to the believers and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, including their threats, I'm sure. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. And that's what we need to do, man. Whenever you're in trouble, whenever there's a problem, there's a threat, begin to raise your voices to the Lord cry out to God. And I'm not going to read the whole prayer, but I'm going to mention the last part. And in verse verse 29, it says, now, Lord, they prayed, consider their threats and enable your servants to, to speak your word with greater boldness. Man, when your problems are caving in on you, say, God, give me greater boldness. Give me greater. You heard what the doctor said. You heard what what my enemies are saying, you heard what's going, what they're saying at, at work, you hear my thoughts, my own thoughts, God, enable me to be more fearless, more bold. You see my job situation, you see my finances, you see my family that I haven't spoken to in years, enable me to speak more boldly, be more fearless, to get up and stand up every morning and be the man or woman that God has called me to be. You see? Pray to God for boldness. Pray to him for courage. Don't be a scaredy cat anymore. Don't wallow in your regrets anymore. Don't let your religious hangups stop you anymore. Go with courage, man. Pray for courage and God is going to give it to you. And they went on and they said, pray, Lord, stretch out your hand and heal and perform miracles and wonders in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And that's what we need to pray. God, use me, man, use me to do something wonderful. Don't you know what? Don't even tell me what miracle you're going to do. Just do it, God. (laughs) And I, I really think in our prayers, we need to stop telling God what to do so often and say, God, just glorify your name today in some powerful, miraculous way. Do something awesome. Stop trying to corner God and say, God, until you do what I ask you to do, I'm not going to believe you for anything else. And God say no, that's not how that works. There's a <laughs> there's a show we've been watching. Unfortunately um, all the profanities are bleeped out, but it's on Fox and maybe some of you've heard it. Uh this the special forces team has taken these celebrities and they're teaching them how to go through some you know, some special operations training, military special operations training. One guy is a he's a former NFL uh, S- Super Bowl uh, from the Patriots, and he's been doing good all along until one of those special opera- operations guys gets in his face and starts screaming at him and hollering at him, and this guy starts bowing up, and, you know, it's, he's, tells him, you know, you're not respecting me the way that you should, and whatever. So they take him in into this little room, And the special operations guy starts his reaming him again. And and so the NFL guy says, look, here's the deal. And he's about to explain. And the guy says, there's no deal here. There's no deal. You've come into my world, and this is how we do things. There's no deal. And the guy shuts up and starts backing off. And a lot of times, God gets us into that place. And we're saying, God, here's the deal. This is what... We're going, you're going to answer my prayer because you said you answer prayer. And God said, there's no deal here. I'm God. Amen. I'm God. And we're going to do it my way. Yes, amen. All right. God is a God of love. He's compassionate. But sometimes God gets in our faces and says, it's my way. <laughs> this is how we're going to do things. And we need to be aware of that. So they prayed. And the place where they met was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. And I'm so impressed today to tell you the first place you need to start speaking boldly is to yourself. I wouldn't plan it. I wouldn't even on my agenda to even say, but I believe that's what the spirit is telling a lot of us. You need to start talking to yourself boldly, courageously, Because those thoughts are pouring into your mind negativity and being overwhelmed and and worried and concerned. You know, start speaking to yourself boldly. Pick yourself up by the bootstrap sometimes with the spirit of the power of the spirit of God. And say, you know what? I'm going to get through this day and I'm going to do it with a smile on my face. I'm going to do it with victory in my heart. I'm going to be an overcomer. And when that boldness will start spilling over into other situations as well. Does that make sense? All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, God. Lord, you haven't called us to be wimpy, shy, pitiful little creatures. Lord, you've called us to be powerhouses for Jesus. Powerhouses, Lord. And and it starts here. It starts inside of us, Lord, with each and every one of us saying, you know what? I'm sick of being under the enemy's thumb. I'm tired of these thoughts that are badgering me and pushing me down and, and my religious hang-ups. My goodness, Lord, all I want is relationship with you, Jesus. I just want relationship with you. I want the real thing. Oh, God, Lord, I, pr- I pray that this message today would stir us up, stir us up, straighten us out, Lord, to stand up and be the men and women of God that you've called us to be.